good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I'm Nick Prater and it's my privilege to be your announcer on this All Saints Day. The Reverend Kyle Fitchie will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist, Mrs. Susan Sinegar, and the acolytes are Kai Brown and Vanson Minning. Today's broadcast is sponsored by funds donated to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church and dedicated to the glory of God. Our opening hymn will be for all the saints on found on page 677 in the Lutheran service book. Con? No? That's why we should always, am I on? Yes, okay, great, I'll just talk really loud. Uh, I'm delighted to be here with you. Good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Fitchie. I'm the Associate Pastor at Emanuel Lutheran Church up in Lockwood. Again, it is my pleasure to, and honor to be here uh, with y'all. It, it's been a while, and I am just delighted to be back with you. Find wonderful Christian people today as we celebrate the Festival of All Saints. Of course, I am here uh, so that Pastor Sletton can attend to his more important uh, and his priority vocation as a father to the newly born Emma and husband to Courtney. So we are just overjoyed and delighted and praise God for Emma's safe arrival. What a truly joyous thing uh, babies are, really, in every way, shape, and form. Except when they cry a lot, but that's beside the point. Uh, we're going to follow everything uh, for our service in the, the bulletin here, so you can just take a look at that. shouldn't steer you wrong. Uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, Pastor Sutton wanted me to let you know that confirmation class is still on tonight at 5 p.m. And also, in this upcoming Sunday, we, uh, you will be uh, installing Amanda uh, as a called worker. So I guess just make that, note that as well. Today is uh, the Festival of All Saints, and as is our tradition, in the Lutheran Church, we remember all those who have departed in this last year here in this congregation. Specifically, we remember all those who, uh, well, we remember those who have died in the faith, who now rest from their labors and are standing in the near presence of Christ. We recognize that they are there because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, that through his shed blood for them on the cross, they have inherited eternal life. We also recognize that along with them, we too are awaiting for the full victory of God, which will be ours at the resurrection to eternal life on the last day, the day uh, when we will be reunited. The saints on earth and the saints in heaven will be united together uh, as one people, to be with Christ forever. And on that day, the dwelling place of God will be with man. And so today, we remember Colleen Pugh. And Esther Hawley. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, receive our thanks for these people, 
for Colleen and Esther, for the ways that you have blessed us in so many wonderful ways through their lives as they touched us with your love. Lord, above all, we thank you for calling them to faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and giving them eternal life as a free gift. We ask that in the same way you would keep us strong in our faith, preserve us until we meet that end, to be prepared to meet you. Help us follow all their godly living that we might continue to serve you in gladness as they have on earth and be prepared to uh, inherit with them the wonderful end and goal of our faith, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, which is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we do pray. Amen. This time we will begin by singing our opening hymn, For All the Saints, hymn 677.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. For you are my rock and my fortress. In your name's sake you lead me and guide me. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, have mercy upon us.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that together with them we may come to the unspeakable joys that you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first reading for the Festival of All Saints comes from Revelation chapter 7. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the seal, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. These are the ones coming out to the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion.
Beautiful. I believe at this time it's time for the children's message. So if the children would be more than welcome to come forward. Yeah? I think they can hear me. Oh, now the church can hear me too. Yeah. So today is All Saints Day. Can any of you tell me what a saint is? I know a few of you thought about it a little bit during Sunday school. Who's got an idea of what a saint is? Somebody who's passed on this last year. Very good. Pastor Fritchie just helped us remember two ladies that were members of our church, good Christian women who passed away this last year. Where are they at now? Heaven, right. They're with Jesus in heaven. Their spirit is with Jesus in heaven. Their bodies are in the cemetery waiting for the last day to come when Jesus will bring their bodies together with their, with their spirit, with their soul. Um, any other things that you think of when you hear the word saint? No, not at all. Somebody in Sunday school said St. Louis, Dylan. Yep, right. We name cities after saints or saint like that. Have you ever heard of any people actually called a saint by name? How about St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Paul? Have you heard of those? Well, St. Paul wrote a number of letters in the Bible, and one of the things I think that's so important for us to consider all the time is what does the Bible say about the things that we're wondering about? like saint and let me just share with you i think saint paul was kind of an interesting guy and he wrote a lot of interesting things he wrote a a letter to the ephesians all right and here's how he started it he said to the saints who are in ephesus and are faithful in christ jesus that's how he started that letter he wrote a letter to the philippians it says to all the saints in christ jesus who are at philippi That's the name of their town or their area. I bet you that if he wrote a letter to us, he'd write a letter to all the saints at Freistat Trinity Lutheran Church. How about that? Now, so we're talking today, or we talked earlier about what you'd said earlier, 
about folks who have already passed away. Um, we call them saints. Saints are those who are holy, and they are holy in a special way. And holy means to be set apart, set apart because they believe in Jesus as their Savior. Who, who else believes in Jesus as their Savior? How about us? We do, right? And how do we get faith in Jesus as our Savior and then become a saint? Yes, ma'am. Say that. Save people. Jesus saves people, absolutely. And he does it a couple of special ways, doesn't he? Through baptism and the work of the Holy Spirit. Baptism saves, and we get faith in Jesus. And also by hearing God's word, right? By listening to our teachers and our pastors and our moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, those older saints who teach us. So, you guys are saints also. Did you know that? How cool is that? We're saints. The people that are in heaven are saints. And Jesus brings us all together and we're special and we're holy and we're set apart because of our faith in him as our Savior. Let's say a special prayer and then we can return back to our seats. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for helping us to remember to celebrate those who have gone before us. We pray that you would bless and be with us and strengthen our faith and help us to grow in that faith through hearing your word. We're also excited about all of the little babies that are being born in our church these, this month and so forth and knowing that through baptism they're going to become saints also. Bless and be with our whole church here on earth and, that, and allow us to be able to join your church in heaven soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we've got some excited saints, folks. So they're going to head back to their pews with their moms and dads. Epistle reading is from John's first letter, chapter 3, where he writes these words See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did, it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and 
when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened up his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. You may be seated for our sermon hymn. 932. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ today 
as we observe the festival of all saints, my dear fellow saints. I bet and everyone here could easily and without any sort of hesitation be able to share with us what their favorite Bible passage or Bible story is, right? That's not a hard thing to do. On the flip side, though, how many of us would actually have the courage to stand up and be counted and say what our least favorite Bible passage is, or maybe even a Bible passage, dare we say it, hate? It's not very pious, is it? To say, because, you know, we're Christians, we're supposed to love the whole Bible. Yet I must confess that for most of, for most of my life, the Gospel reading for today, the Beatitudes, one of my least favorite, and dare I say at times, hated them. It actually wasn't until my fourth year at seminary when I took a class specifically on the Sermon on the Mount, which the Beatitudes are a part of, that I actually, well, I changed my tune on them. In particular, I changed my tune on the very first Beatitude. Thing is, I don't actually think that my issue with Jesus' words here is mine alone. And I say that simply because of the wide variety of sermons that I've heard on the Beatitudes throughout the years. At the same time, I will suggest that I do think that this is a particularly Lutheran problem. Non-Lutherans don't seem to have any trouble or struggle at all with the Beatitudes, and so, speaking to a room full of Lutherans, I can hopefully assume that, like me, many of you have found Jesus' words here difficult. I actually think the difficulty arises, difficulty arises when we hear these Beatitudes as law. They are something that we are to be and do, but simply are not. And so whenever I heard these words of Jesus, all I could think is those blessings are not for me because I am not pure in heart. I am not meek. I am not a peacemaker. Because inside I find that I am so horribly corrupt. Inside I find that I am often way too proud of my, my meager intellect. I find that I don't make peace, but I fake it instead. And so after reading the Beatitudes, I would leave horribly convicted, thinking that I was not blessed, by, but cursed. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Yeah, right. In truth, though, I don't think that we should understand these things as law and as commands, but simply as statements that Jesus is making. He's just declaring stuff. And simply because of who He is, we should simply believe them. We should acknowledge them as true. But we don't. We want to hear them as something other than they are. We want to see, what is Jesus actually trying to say to me? It's kind of like this scenario. right? The husband comes home after a long day of work and he, peep, he, he spies over by the sink a whole lot of dishes. And he says, wow, that's an awful lot of dirty dishes. It would not be unheard of in a situation like that for the wife to fire back. Would you give me a break? I'm sorry, but the kids were sick and I had to take them to the doctor. And things have been so crazy at school lately, and you haven't been at home that much, and then someone's dropped by unannounced with that to visit for two hours, so excuse me, I didn't get the dishes done. Husband stands there dumbfounded, he has no idea what just happened. The wife, though, responds and is responding in that situation to a, an implied and perceived passive-aggressive 
rebuke. What the husband said was, wow, that's a lot of dirty dishes, which was probably true. What the wife heard was, get off your lazy duff and do them, woman. Now, to be fair, many husbands are not actually above acting like that kind of jerk. I trust you would all agree with me that our Lord certainly is above that. You see, our Lord does not need to be passive-aggressive. He doesn't need to let settle hints drop. He can just tell you what to do. And He does it all over the place, like in the Sermon on the Mount. But right here, He doesn't. And so when we hear the Beatitudes, we should simply just say, yes, Jesus, you're right. The poor in spirit are blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now for the rest of our message today, I actually just want to unpack and see where that takes us and how this maybe helps us look at the, these Beatitudes a little differently. Well, actually, just the first. Yes, we're only going to cover one verse. And I think that's okay simply because of how foundational and how much this one verse unlocks the rest of Jesus' teaching. I also want to let you know ahead of time that I'm going to be changing the, uh, the, uh, the word order of the English translation simply because you can do that. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't actually affect negatively the meaning of the text. And besides that, it works better for my sermon. So that's what I'm going to do. So we'll start with the poor in spirit. Now, who are these people? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? I think you can just ask the very simple question, what does it mean to be poor? Right? To state the absolute obvious, it means you have no... Say it. Yeah, you have no money or very little of it. You have trouble making ends meet. At times, the people who are poor have a difficulty making wise decisions. These people have few resources to pull from. In short, they need help to make ends meet. They need help to make do. And so to apply this to our spiritual life means that we aren't talking about the size of our bank accounts, but our own spiritual bank accounts, if you were. This means that the poor in spirit can't often make the right decision and avoid sin. This means that the poor in spirit often can't resist a temptation. This means the poor in spirit can't save themselves. They can't secure their life here on earth or there into eternity. In other words, they need help. This means that the poor in spirit are everyone. Every single human being fits into that category. But Jesus here is only speaking, and I believe in the entire Sermon on the Mount, to His disciples. And so to a certain extent, He is speaking about those who recognize it. He invites us to realize this. And since we realize then that we can't save ourselves, like a sick person who realizes they're sick and needs to be cured, they go to the doctor. When we realize we're spiritually poor, we'll go to the one who can make us rich. In this beatitude, the poor in spirit are those well, are those who turn to God. In a word, they repent. 
And like every needy person in the Gospel, they say the same cry to God, Lord, have mercy. Fill what I am lacking and make up for what I don't have. Help me make the ends meet. So to be poor in spirit is to realize that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. To be poor in spirit is to confess I a poor, miserable sinner. To be poor in spirit is to realize that we continually need our spiritual batteries recharged through the means of grace. So the poor in spirit is you. You are the poor in spirit. Jesus says it, just believe it. And you're going to have some incredibly painful Moments of clarity throughout your life that will show this, and who knows, maybe you're going through one right now. It could be that you get smacked upside the head by the two-by-four of a major health setback, and you realize the fragility of human life and just how far our strength does not go. You'll see this, that you are poor in spirit when you think you finally got that pet sin whipped, but it sinks its teeth right back into you again. And you say, I can't believe I did that again. You'll recognize, yes, that you are the poor in spirit, even when you hear Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. When He cuts our legs out right from underneath us, and He says things like, anyone who looks lustfully at another person has already committed adultery with them. We recognize this, that we are poor in spirit, and we, just, we see that no matter what sort of a righteous front we put on, no matter how much we put on our church clothes, I wear the collar and the robes and the stole, that we are destitute on the inside. And this is good. It's good that we recognize this because the poor in spirit are blessed. Now, blessed here does not mean happy. Not like when I say, hey, I'm blessed when I find a $5 bill on the ground. It doesn't mean that we're happy being poor in spirit. It doesn't feel good to be poor in spirit. To do that would be to like rejoice that we're sinning. It'd be like saying, yay, I was short with my wife and my kids again. Up top! Right? That's sick. No, to be poor and to be blessed here is something different. Blessed here certainly does mean, though, that it is good for us to realize it. At the very least, it means that now we know it, and so we can go look for help. But yet, it's even more than that, because as Jesus uses that word blessed all the way throughout the Gospel, it is synonymous with other terms that we might use like saved. Or in the light of our Reformation celebration last week, it's synonymous with the word justified. To be blessed is to have eternal life. And in the light of today's festival, the Feast of All Saints, we also see that to be blessed is to be a saint. And I think this helps us put all of All Saints Day into perspective, right? As it was so wonderfully said here at the, the children's message, now, in everyday language, when we use the word saint, we can often mean someone who's really 
really, 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 really good. Yet our practice in church doesn't agree with that. Our practice in the Lutheran church is to read the names of those who have departed in this congregation in this last year. We are saying that they're saints. But these people are not saints and they're not in heaven because they're really, 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 really good. And I can say this because I'm here and not Emmanuel, but some of the names that we're going to be reading at Emmanuel in just a little bit, those people are not always saints. They were kind of ornery in this life and at times they were just plain old stinkers. Yet we still read their names because they're saints. Because they were poor in spirit and they knew it. And this realization drove them to look to Christ as the one who could give them eternal riches despite their poverty through his death on the cross. Therefore, they are blessed. They died in the faith. So the poor in spirit, namely you guys, and the saints in heaven are blessed, that is saved. But why is this so? As Jesus says, because ours is the kingdom of heaven. Unfortunately, I think that this phrase, kingdom of heaven, is probably the most woefully misunderstood phrase in the entire Bible. And it's really a shame. Because this is Jesus' own word that he uses for the summary for his entire work. Yet Christians have a hard time asking and being able to unpack what this means. And I've, I've put this to the test, and the reason I came up with this is because I realized that myself was the case in point. Again, I never grasped what it meant until seminary. Apparently, I was not a very good student in confirmation class. So what does this mean? What does the kingdom of heaven mean? Let's break it apart. Kingdom. We'll start right there, okay? Now, when we hear the word kingdom, we usually think of a place, right? Like the kingdom of Liechtenstein or something like that. But the Greek word here is not talking so much about a place, but it's talking about an action. It's not talking about where a king rules, but that a king rules. In other words, when we say kingdom here, we're talking about a king's reign. So this is the, king, the reign, if you will, of heaven. And the next thing we want to talk about is then the phrase of heaven. I think actually this might be why we think that the kingdom of heaven is a place. Because when we hear heaven, we automatically think where our souls go when we die in the faith, which is true. That's where our souls do go. But this isn't a place either. No, the other Gospels use a very similar term that is synonymous in every way, shape, and form. And they call it the kingdom of God. So long story short, Matthew uses the word heaven here when actually he means God. And he does that simply because Jewish writers at that time didn't like to use the name God at all. And Matthew was a Jew. So kingdom of heaven means kingdom of God. So far from a place, it's an action. Namely, it's how God reigns as king. And when we actually understand that within the context of everything that Jesus has done in his ministry, we can understand what it means. So, What's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of heaven? It's how God reigns as king. And he undoes all the damage caused by sin and Satan in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And I think that bears repeating because it is a thick definition. What's the kingdom of heaven? It's God's reign. It's how God reigns as king. 
and undoes the damage caused by sin and Satan in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And God reigns most powerfully through His Son's death on the cross. For in the cross, Jesus breaks the power of the devil and pays the price for all of our sins through His shed blood. And then He rises from the dead as the beginning of the new creation set free from sin and Satan. And this is ours. The poor in spirit, the saints in heaven and the saints on earth claim the benefits and the blessings of this reign. So that now, through Christ's death, Satan can no longer accuse you. He will try, but it will not stick because Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins. Now, through this reign, you have peace with God so that you can actually come into the presence of the Almighty King of Kings without fear and you can feast at His table and enjoy the blessings of everything that comes from that holy communion. Now through Christ, we know our God rightly as our loving Heavenly Father by the waters of holy baptism. We know that nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. And that's true whether we are alive or dead. All the saints enjoy this. Every saint here, every saint in heaven. But at the same time, we don't all enjoy it all in the, in, in the perfect fullness of that reign. Because, yes, God does reign in the cross, but He also reigns in the greatest, fullest expression of that reign is His Son's resurrection. Because in Jesus' resurrection, God reigns by putting death to flight. God reigns so that just as Christ rose from the dead in His body, so will we. God reigns to undo the brokenness of creation in Jesus' body is its undoing. And that, hope of the blessed, and that hope belongs to the blessed poor in spirit. To you. And it is for that hope that all the saints in heaven and on earth wait the day of the resurrection to life everlasting. And this is the day shown to us in our reading from Revelation 7, where all of God's saints, including you, will stand before His throne and praise Him for saving us through the great tribulation clothed and not in the filthy rags of a beggar, but in the spotless robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's the day that's greater than the rest of paradise, the blast. It's the day that we sang about. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. Saints triumphant rise in bright array. And the King of glory passes on His way. Alleluia. Alleluia. And it's for that day that we, the poor in spirit, wait and as we do, we recognize and celebrate today All Saints Day. We recognize those who, like us, are, are waiting for that day but are in a, in a different place, are with Christ right now. And we recognize those especially who have passed 
in this last year. As we do, let's not make them into fake saints. Let's not forget every bad thing that they ever did and only remember the good. Instead, make them real saints by remembering, yes, that they did sin. But also, let's follow their example. Follow their confession that they were poor in spirit. And then we can confess that too and rejoice and say along with them, as Luther put it so famously, that we are beggars. It is true. And when we understand that, when we understand that we have nothing, that our hands are empty, we can take unbelievable comfort in the grace-filled Gospel words of our Lord. Blessed are the beggars. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. At this time, I would invite you to rise and confess with me our common Christian faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated, and we will receive our offering at this time. Mrs. Amanda Minning will be installed as our called principal during the church service. Please join us for church and a potluck dinner following the service to celebrate as she continues God's work in our church and school. Once again, that is on November 12th. <laughs> Trinity's Children Sunday School and Adult Bible Classes meet at 845 each Sunday in the school. A men's Bible study meets at 6.30 a.m. each Wednesday morning in the chapel. Several ladies' Bible study groups meet during the week in the surrounding area. For more information concerning the Bible studies, please call the church office at 
For our prayers today, each petition will end in the phrase, let us pray to the Lord. You are invited to respond, Lord, have mercy. Specifically, we will be praying for all of the, uh, the sick that are listed in your bulletin under uh, the section marked health. So let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the poor in spirit who gather this day to receive the grace and mercy by which we are made rich in Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who mourn, that they may receive abundant comfort in the promises of Jesus Christ, who makes all things new, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the meek, including all who patiently and lovingly speak the gospel to others, that, that the Holy Spirit may work through the word, that they speak to create faith in many who will inherit the new creation in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that in faithfulness they may approach this altar, trusting the words of Christ to receive his body and blood for the sustenance of their bodies and souls. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the merciful, including pastors and teachers who speak of God's mercy to his people, that they may remain steadfast in the word and live in the mercy they proclaim. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peacemakers, that they, that they may be blessed in working toward peace, and especially that the peace of Christ may continue to be proclaimed freely. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, that they may be upheld and strengthened in the one true faith, even the face of suffering and that all God's people may boldly confess the name of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the recovering, especially Melba, Nancy, Mary, Ella, Flora, Dana, Irwin, Erna, Janice, Myron, Carol, Oren, Ethel, Dan, Joanne, Addison, Steve, Landreth, Karen, Lena, Sheila, Jeannie, Ruth, Marjean and Becky. We pray that they might be granted health and healing according to God's wisdom. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the saints who rest from their labors, that we may remember them with thanksgiving and joy, even as we look forward to seeing them again at the throne of the Lamb at the resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Slatton family, and thanksgiving for keeping Courtney and Emma safe during her birth, that God would continue to shield mother and daughter from harm by his holy angels, and as he brought Emma into the Sletton family, that he would quickly bring her into his own through baptism. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in authority, that God would grant them a spirit of guidance, that through their governance and by his blessing, we might live together in this country in peace and harmony. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all this, and for whatever else you know that we need, we ask of your great mercy, O Lord. Salvation belongs to you who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, in the communion of all your saints, gathered into the one body of your Son, you have surrounded us with so great a cloud of witnesses that we, encouraged by their faith and strengthened by their fellowship, may run with perseverance the race that is set before us and together and together with them receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore praising you and saying holy 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 lord god of sabaoth heaven and earth are full of thy glory hosanna 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 Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly instructed. In communing, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran, Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form of bread and wine. I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith in life. And our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. 
this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Welcome to the Lord's table. Take and eat. This is the true body of Christ, which has been given into death for you. Take and eat. This is the true body of Christ, which has been given into death for you. Take and eat. The true body of Christ, given into death for you. Take and drink the true blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink the true blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink the true blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink the true blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink the true blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve your little body and soul for life everlasting. Depart with his peace. Amen.
first of our distribution hymns is number 621 in the Lutheran service book. Let all mortal flesh keep silence, number 621.
to the Lord, for he is good. And Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Our closing hymn is Rejoice, O Pilgrim Throng, number 813 in the Lutheran Service Book, verses 1, 5 through 7. pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Christat, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on ChristatRadio.com. We commend you to the love and care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things.